This chapter of Isaiah 55, it's, it's entitled An Invitation to Abundant Life. The whole chapter, that's the theme of it. And I was thinking, you know, if I was to receive that invitation in the post or in my inbox, I think definitely an invitation to abundant life, it would grab my attention. I would want to know more about it. But I think definitely in this day and age of so many influencers around us, I think I may actually approach it initially with some cynicism, some reluctance, until maybe I had determined who the invitation was from. And I believe that our time this morning is very much about being reminded who this invitation to abundant life is from. Because we can either read this chapter or receive this invitation from a place of excitement and trust or from a place of cynicism and reluctance. And I think that being reminded about who our God is, and we're going to do that through looking at what his covenant to us means, being reminded about who he is is really important. And, and this invitation is from our Heavenly Father. Our Heavenly Father, who is the creator and sustainer of us. He's the creator and sustainer of this entire universe. And he is all-powerful, he is all-wise, and he is all for us. And sometimes I think we forget that in all the different circumstances that we're dealing with. God is all for us. And his main desire is that we come to know him, that we maintain our relationship with him, and that we allow him, we allow him to guide us and to care for us. And he really wants us to say yes to this invitation to abundant living now and for eternity. And this is an invitation that only God can offer us. We don't get this invitation to full abundant life from anyone or anything else. Um, and we really wanted these sessions, as Rob said last night, to be text-based, but also for you guys to really hear our hearts, both Rob and myself, as to what we feel God is saying to us at the moment and in this season. And we're going to get a chance to hear from each other as well in that. Um, and so as I go through these verses one to five this morning, I just wanted to give a bit of context, though, as to where I'm going with it and, and why I really felt to speak on these particular verses. So over the last few weeks, I guess, as I've been offering up prayers, um, you know, that, that God would speak to me about what he wants to say um, over this weekend and through me. Um, and during these seasons of preparation, I guess I'm always um, very aware of particular words or themes that continuously come up for me. And over the last few weeks, a theme and a word that has come up and has kind of sparked something in my spirit is the word covenant. Um, I go to a weekly Bible study run by Bible Study Fellowship International. I think that's what they're called. <laughs> and this year, our study is on people of promise um, in the Old Testament. And we're currently in the book of Samuel, and we're looking at David's life and tracing God's hand on David's life. And a few weeks ago, we were reading about God's covenant to David. So that's where it came up for me first. And we were discussing kind of the outworking of that promise in the New Testament. And I was just really just blown away by seeing God's hand in David's life and seeing David's 
um, reaction to God and just the faithfulness of God in his word to David. And I think that was the first point of where I just went, you know, covenant is so important. Covenant really means something. I mean, God is true to his word and it, it shifted something in me. It gave me a new security. Um, and so then again, a week later or so, I had a kind of a random conversation with a friend of mine um, about marriage, and we talked about covenant and just the beauty and strength of a covenant relationship. And then when myself and Rob were in Venice, he just, he didn't really know this covenant thing was going on for me, and he kind of excitedly one day went, oh, read this quote, I really love this quote, which I'm going to share with you later. But hey, guess what it mentioned? Covenant loyalty. So, of course, I come back then and I sit down again with Isaiah 55. And of course, what word jumps out in verse 3? Covenant. Um, I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my steadfast, sure love for David. And I believe that the Lord wants to make sure today, make sure that we all know that we are in a covenant relationship with him. Because when we put our faith and our trust in Jesus, that is what we step into. We step into a covenant relationship with him. And it's from this place of a covenant understanding that we can best live out this abundant life that this passage is talking about. So I just want to pray quickly for that. Father, I just, I really pray for each one of us now that we can learn and have a deeper understanding of what it means to be in a covenant relationship with you. I pray, Father, for a deeper security in the knowledge that your word goes forth and never changes, God, and your promises to us are secure and safe. Just like your sure love for David, there is a sure love for us. And I just pray that for each one of us today, God, in Jesus' name. So starting at verse 1. <clears throat> Ho, hey, it's <laughs> a good way to start a chapter. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and you that have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. So the invitation is really clear, and it's full of grace. And I think it's really interesting that the invitation, it's not just to everyone, it's to everyone who thirsts. And I think we are all thirsty here this weekend. We're all here because we're thirsty for more of God. And if we're not thirsty for God, for what God has for us, we won't come and drink from his waters. But when the Spirit moves in our need for God and we do come to him, we receive so freely from him. All he offers is a gift. He says, come with no money. Come with nothing and receive what I have for you. And he doesn't just offer us water. He doesn't just give us the, the bare essentials of what, what we need. He then says, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. And that speaks into our growth as Christians. He has so much more to offer us. That is the feasting and the abundance that he has to offer us. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? 
We put so much time and effort into things that don't satisfy us. In this world, we go after so many different things and we think so many different things satisfy us. We think money satisfies us, relationships, holidays, um, children, just all these things that we think satisfy us. And they do to a certain extent. But remember at the story of the woman at the well, Jesus had this beautiful conversation with her and the disciples go and they get him food because they think he must be so hungry because he's been working and talking and giving out all day. And he says to them that he has bread to eat that they know nothing about. And that is what has been talked about here. Because it's our relationship with Jesus. It's our relationship with God. It's the only thing that will wholly satisfy us. He's our creator. He's our sustainer. It's our relationship with him is the only thing. So he's saying here, you know, Yes, you can go after all these things and they'll satisfy you a little bit, but they won't bring full satisfaction to your soul. The next two verses, I think, are just, they're really key to living in grace and living an abundant life. Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Listen carefully. Some of the translations say listen favorably. It's a particular way of listening. We have to be careful. We have to be willing to listen. And it's when we do that, when we take that time and when we pay attention, that the satisfaction that's promised to us is given. If we don't listen, if we're not aware, if we're not turning towards him favorably, carefully, that satisfaction that's promised to us, it's not going to happen. Eat what is good. Again, it's referring to the bread that only he can give, but it's also talking about our choices, and it takes discernment. And we need to pray for discernment in everything that we're doing and everything that we're choosing. God wants us to eat of good things. Delight yourselves in rich food. And that brings that sense of celebration. God wants us to delight in all that he has for us. He doesn't want us to trudge through this life. He wants us to delight out of that place. Enjoy and celebrate God's goodness in your lives. Enjoy the abundance of his peace and his hope and his love in the midst of all circumstances, good and bad. And then verse 3. Verse 3 says, Incline your ear and come to me. Listen so that you may live. I will make with you an everlasting covenant my steadfast, sure love for David. Again, there's that incline your ear. Incline is a really active word. It's, it, it gives me a picture almost of just leaning in, you know, inclining towards him, turning towards him. It's about a posture. Come to me, he says, and listen. 
Do you know how you listen to God? It's been a real learning in my journey as a Christian. There was probably times when I was much younger, I, I didn't listen. I took in a lot of information, but I had to learn really how to listen to him. And I guess I listen through his word. I listen through nature. I listen through worship. I listen through my physical body as to how I react to his word. And be aware of that. Write it down. Take note of what he's saying to you. And it's then that you can look back or you can be guided forward in the word that he's saying to you. But to get back to this covenant word that has really just struck me. In the dictionary, the meaning of the word covenant is a chosen relationship in which two parties make binding promises to each other. And the difference between a covenant and a contract is usually that when the terms of a contract are broken by one of the parties, the contract is pretty much automatically gone. But it's not so with a covenant. A covenant is a stronger agreement, and it doesn't automatically mean that if one person reneges on their side of the promise, that the other person will back out. It doesn't mean that the promise is finished, because one person may still uphold their side of the agreement. And also, when we look at some of the covenants made between God and his people in the Bible, there seems to be bilateral and unilateral covenants. There is conditional and unconditional covenants. And the covenant that God made with David was pretty much unconditional. In 2 Samuel 7:16, God promised to David, he said, your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. And I often wonder what David thought then. And I know reading through that book, it really encouraged David um, to pray. He really took that for, for real, for God's word, because of looking back over his life with God. And he was a man after God's heart. He listened. It says so many times in the book of Samuel, David inquired of the Lord. He always asked God for the next step, and God used him mightily. Your throne shall be established forever. Jesus was a direct descendant of King David's, and his resurrection is proof of God's faithfulness to David. Jesus is the forever of David's throne. It's through Jesus came David's everlasting dynasty. Our God does not go back on his word. He does not go back on his word. Isaiah says, I will make an everlasting covenant with you. And he's referencing Jesus here. Later on in Jeremiah 31, um, it says, it speaks of the new covenant. It says, the days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. No longer shall they teach one another or say to one another, know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord, 
for I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. And this, this is the new covenant which started for us when Jesus poured out his blood for us. This is our new covenant. Luke 22, 20 says, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. And our part in this new covenant is, it, it seems minimal compared to God's side of it. So it kind of feels like this particular covenant is a mixture of the conditional and the unconditional, in my opinion, anyway. Our part is to come to Jesus and trust him completely. There's so much less for us to do and there's so much more for God to do. Because this covenant, the new covenant that we're now in, this covenant is lived out by Jesus' power and resources to obey, not ours. Christ is now in us. We no longer live, but Christ lives in us. This is what God has now done for us. God made this amazing, everlasting promise to David that we now know came to fruition in Jesus. And we can trust our God to never, ever break his promises to us. Even if we break covenant with him, he has shown through his character that he will never, he will never break his side of it. He is going to carry this through as he has said in his word. And he will discipline us and there, there are consequences to how we live our lives. But there is no condemnation now. Because all of this judgment was dealt with through Jesus. That's the covenant he has made with us. And I just really feel he wants to remind us of that today. That that is never ever going to change and knowing that deep in our hearts changes us. This covenant is based on God, on who he is. It's based on his worth, not David's worth and not ours. It's based on God, and it never changes. And that's what makes it steadfast and sure. And that's what makes me thirst for more of him because I can trust him, and I'm secure in him. And you know, we, we sing songs about him being the same now and forever, and how he never changes. But I guess the challenge to me over these last few weeks, and my challenge to us as community today is, we sing those songs, but are we living what we say? Are we living like we believe that? And that's why I do think that God is drawing us to this place as community today. Knowing and being secure in what we have in God, it shifts our hearts to desire to glorify God in all of our lives. It brings freedom and it transforms how we live. When we live out of that place of security, really live out of that place. And our transformation is transformative for the world that we influence and it's always for God's glory. What we do and how we live matters. Our transformation is transformative for every place that you put your foot and every conversation that you have. 
And I've been really challenged that, you know, one of the things a lot of people say um, that they love most about Holy Trinity is the sense of welcome and community. And that's true. We're good welcomers. We're, we're good. We're good at inviting people in. And in this season of going deeper together, I do feel, though, that the Lord is challenging us to, to be more vulnerable and more committed to each other, to be defined by covenantal loyalty. One of the biggest challenges I think the church with a capital C is facing is disunity. And in this community, there is loads of different backgrounds, there's loads of denominations, there's loads of different countries. And I think we are called to lead as a shining light of unity amongst the brothers and sisters of Christ. I do believe that. And to do this, it authentically requires that we live like this passage suggests. Listening, discerning, and delighted in God. It requires an awareness of the Spirit at work amongst us, and it requires an intentional move amongst us to love each other deeply, to bear with each other, to admonish each other, to be committed to each other and bound to each other in covenant, just as the Lord is bound to us. So this is the quote that Rob got excited about. <laughs> it's from um, a book called A Creative Minority by our friend John Tyson. And it says this, the problem with a loose network is that as soon as there is conflict, people withdraw to their private concerns. If there is no interpersonal conflict in your life, no elements of your character that are being confronted about, you are networking. You are not in close community. Yet an accountable community does not just confront. It remains united despite disagreements. It is defined by covenantal loyalty. A covenant is distinct from a contract in that each side agrees to uphold their side of the agreement whether or not the other is faithful. Covenantal loyalty. We believe that that's what we are called to, Holy Trinity. And I think that in highlighting the covenant between ourselves and God and each other, that he's showing us the depth of relationship possible and inviting us into that because he trusts us as a community to lead in that and to live it out. I'm just going to say that. I believe God tr is entrusting us with that. But we've got to live like this passage says. We're called to move from networking to close community. And that's going to take work in our hearts and it's going to take courage and it's going to take us all really loving each other deeply and working out what that means individually and corporately. See, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. 
See, you shall call nations that you do not know, and nations that do not know you shall run to you. Because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. The way that we love our God and each other, that's our witness. And God will use us for his glory to accomplish his people's eternal good. That's what he wants to do with us. And so the challenge is, can we listen? Can we discern? Can we be delighted in him? Will we return? Will we let go? And will we trust him? Will we live in that peace and that hope? And because of living in that place of abundance, be so attractive to the world around us that people and nations who don't know him will want to know him because of our love for each other and for Jesus. We're going to break in a few minutes for a cup of tea and Scott's then going to come and facilitate more of a time of inclining our ear to God and to each other. And we'll have a chance to talk through some of this stuff that we've, we've leaned into over the last 24 hours. But first, I'd really just, Sherry, if you could come back up, please. I'd love us to just take a few minutes just to sit with what's been awakened in our hearts this morning. Do you know that you're in a covenant relationship with Jesus? That what he has done for you, what he has promised you, he will be faithful in. That will never change. Holy Spirit, I really ask that you would move in our hearts now. Father, that you would bring to the fore what's been awakened in us today. What have you shown us this morning, God, that's challenged us or that's given us peace? Help us name it, God. But most of all, Jesus, I pray for each one of us in this community that you would fill our hearts now with a deep, deep knowledge of your goodness to us. And that that would transform the way that we live, the way that we love. That it's not just words. We can trace it all through your word. You will complete the good work that you've started. any fear or any anything that stands in the way of us accepting that word help us name that and help us to put it down God help us to lean into you now Jesus maybe afresh maybe for the first time Help us, Father, to accept that call 
to lead, to be that shining light. And I pray, Father, that each person here would feel a part of that, God, because we're in this together. Committed to each other and committed to you. And I pray, God, that each one of us would come and drink so deeply and freely this weekend. Fill us, God. Satisfy us with all that you have for us. And send us out, God, in the power of your Spirit. In Jesus' name.